Nowadays, a lot of these big companies pretend to care about our communities and issues with nothing more than lip service. State Farm is the opposite. They're actively investing in programs and initiatives that help educate in financial literacy, give early career advice, and grow Black-owned businesses, thus leading to generational wealth, which helps protect the future of our communities. Seeing our communities grow and thrive is something they care deeply about. They want to build a future that we all can be proud of. State Forum understands that representation alone doesn't mean authenticity, that it takes a good neighbor to sponsor programs like the AXO, a year-long program that recognizes and rewards high school students for their academic and cultural achievements, and to fund programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to the educational achievement of black and brown youth that to date participants have been awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and can have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. I've seen quite a few videos on social media recently of young women soliciting help in finding the perfect dress for graduation. Might I suggest you add Macy's to your list? They have lots of options for dresses that will transition perfectly from under your gown to that incredible dinner with family after the ceremony. Check out options from brands like On 34th, Michael Kors, DKNY, and many more. Shop at Macy's.com or in-store. Hey ladies, it's Dr. Joy. As women, we put our hearts into everything. May is High Blood Pressure Education Month, and it's time to focus on our heart health. Release the Pressure wants to help Black women look at self-care as an act of self-preservation. During High Blood Pressure Education Month, let's help get to our goal of 100,000 Black women putting their hearts first and learn more about their heart health. Visit iHeartRadio.com RTP for a chance to receive a $1,000 gift card to take care of yourself and prioritize your heart health. That's iHeartRadio.com RTP. Buying your first car can make you feel like a superstar as it's a big purchase, but it can take time to get there. Intuit is the financial platform that helps everyday people prosper. Whether you're trying to manage your money or trying to run a business, Intuit gives you the confidence to take control of your finances so you can live your best life. Intuit helps you take control of your finances through products like TurboTax, Credit Karma, QuickBooks, and MailChimp. Intuit has helped 100 million people live their best financial lives. Visit Intuit.com, I-N-T-U-I-T.com to start living yours. Let's get into it. You may have heard that most people who are Black have O-type blood. O is commonly needed for emergencies. But did you know one in three of us is a match for patients with sickle cell disease? Regardless of blood type, every day our blood saves lives and eases the pain of those living with sickle cell. Donate blood at Red Cross to help save a life. Black excellence is in our blood. Visit redcrossblood.org slash ourblood to make an appointment now. Welcome to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast, a weekly conversation about mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia. For more information or to find a therapist in your area, visit our website at therapyforblackgirls.com. While I hope you love listening to and learning from the podcast, 
It is not meant to be a substitute for a relationship with a licensed mental health professional. Support for today's podcast comes from Bombas. Do you find yourself often thinking about socks? If you're like I used to be, probably not often. But I recently discovered socks that changed the way I think about socks forever. They're called Bombas. Bombers are super comfy and super cute socks for the gym, work, or anywhere else you'd like to wear them. I love that the patterns and designs are different than any others I've seen, and their no-show socks are perfect for when you need to wear a sock but don't actually want to see it. And for every pair of Bombas purchased, they donate a pair to someone in need. Buy your Bombas at bombas.com TBG today and get 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash T-B-G for 20% off. Again, that website is bombas dot com slash T-B-G. Now let's get into the episode. Hey, y'all. Thanks so much for joining me for session 148 of the Therapy for Black Girls podcast. As many of you have now found yourselves home educating the kids in your life, I wanted to bring you a great book that you might want to add to your library called Daddy, Why Am I Brown? by Dr. Bedford Palmer. Dr. Palmer joins us on the podcast today to talk to us about talking to kids about race. Dr. Palmer is a licensed psychologist, an associate professor, and the interim chair of the counseling department at St. Mary's College of California. He holds a Ph.D. in counseling psychology and researches issues related to social justice and cultural factors. Dr. Palmer maintains a small private practice in Oakland, California, where he works with a diverse clientele and provides multicultural competence training to individuals and organizations. He's also a past president of the Alameda Psychological Association and producer-slash-co-host of the Naming It podcast and the author of Daddy, Why Am I Brown?, a healthy conversation about skin color and family. Dr. Palmer and I chatted about how to talk with kids about race in a way that's developmentally appropriate, the work we need to do as adults to have these conversations in a way that's healthy, and he shared some of his favorite resources, including six free lesson plans in case you need them. If you hear something that resonates with you while listening, please be sure to share it with us on social media using the hashtag TBG in session. Here's our conversation. Thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Palmer. Oh, it's my pleasure. Yes, I'm excited to have you. So you are the author of a new book called Daddy, Why Am I Brown? And I know that this is a conversation, you know, I would say probably over the past year, we've seen lots of conversations about parents and talking to their kids about race. And so I think that your book will be a nice one for people to kind of add to their home library to really be able to kind of have some of these conversations. But I want to start with hearing, is there such a thing as like a child being too young to start talking about race? You know, I think that that's a tricky thing. You would hope that you could shelter kids from the oppressive nature of race and all that stuff. But the reality is, is that if your child is going to be out in the world, if they're going to go to preschool, if they're going to walk with you to a store, they're going to be able to understand what's around them, then they're going to encounter race and they're going to encounter their own race. You know, there's a lot of research out there that shows that these encounters happen as early as three or four years old. So I think that 
it's better to prepare kids and to help them get the get an idea of what's going on prior to that first encounter so that they can better navigate it. Because the way you navigate that encounter experience with racism and race and all of that can be profoundly important to the way that you are able to cope for the rest of your life. We know, like you're saying, that like some of the research indicates that kids have some of these experiences as early as three. Are they typically negative experiences or is it more like kids realizing like, oh, all of our skin looks different? Well, you know, it it very much depends. I don't know if there's a, a, a more often case at this point, but I think that the way that the racial identity models work, like Bill Cross has a racial identity model that's kind of the beginning of that, but before that, even uh, Franz Fanon, this idea of kind of finding yourself as the other is what we talk about as the encounter experience. I don't think that finding yourself as the other ever really feels good when you think you're the same as everyone else. Mm. Um, I think that, that that's something you have to contend with because that otherness, it, at the very core of that otherness, is a lie, right? So not going to feel good to be told that you're something different when really our skin color and the differences that are physical on us, they're skin deep, they're, they're not really important to who we are, you know, intellectually, spiritually, our person, our center self, our, our culture. It's not about necessarily those external phenological traits. And, excuse me, phenotypical, when we are placed into a context where race is important, it is this kind of true thing that we will be treated differently. So I think that kids can kind of be ushered into this idea of, specifically for Black kids, you can be ushered into Blackness in a really positive way, but you're still being ushered into a context of oppression. And there's no way to to change that without changing the oppression, right? So you can't like pretend like it's not there and shelter your kid from that because they're going to be walking down the street and it's going to happen. So I think that what we do as elders to children, we prepare them as much as possible and give them the tools so they can navigate any of these experiences. Yeah, and see, that is always my struggle because I am a parent. And so, you know, it, it does feel like a very fine balance between like helping them to just be proud of themselves as young Black boys and also like wanting to shelter them, but knowing that you really can't because they exist in the world. And so, how do you kind of assess like what is appropriate to talk with them about about the realities of the world at a certain age? I think people like to talk about meeting people where they are, and I think that that is the way that you do it with children. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not gonna you're not gonna come to a, a, a kindergarten class and be like, "Let me explain you the duality of identity and uh, and two personhood," and you know you're not gonna go into like you know critical thought in that way because they haven't learn the foundations to get to the point where they can understand it. But you can talk about, you know, what happens when people say mean things to you? What happens when people talk about and describe you? What what do you do when you describe other people? You know, like when you're talking about someone in the pre-K age group or the, the kindergarten age group, we're talking about fundamental things. What do colors mean? What do printed letters mean? How do you print letters? How do you figure out the days of the week. So I think that you bring it to their space and talk about some of the basic, the most basic parts of it. You help them to understand and you don't push them past that. You know, you don't have to, they don't have to come up with their opinion of what race means. You don't have to have them fully indoctrinated into like the the joy of blackness, but you should have them understand that like, for instance, 
people will call you black. Your skin is not black. Your skin is brown and there's various shades of brown. So though that's confusing for them to use the wrong color when you're being taught these colors, here's one of the reasons why. You see what I'm saying there? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so really, like you're talking about, like really developmentally thinking about like what other kinds of things they're learning and how you can kind of couch it in, in some of those same things. Right. It doesn't have to really be about, well, you know, as adults, we're talking about power, oppression and, and privilege and those things. Like kids don't have to, to get all of the scarier parts of it all early. Some of it is just like, how do you just begin to talk about your hair and your color and where you're from. Um, and I think that that's another piece of it is always like linking. You talk about the race stuff, but you link it to, you know, ethnicity and culture and help children understand that those are different things and they mean different things. And you should take different meaning from those things. And so your thought is take more of a proactive approach as opposed to like waiting for the first, you know, maybe negative racial experience to happen. Yeah. You don't wait for children to encounter bad things generally. Like you don't take your child out and let them play in the front yard without telling them how to deal with the sidewalk and the street and the boundary for the grass and people coming by. You tell them, you know, don't talk to strangers. Don't don't go past the sidewalk there. Don't run in this area. There are rocks. You know, you give them that early warning so that they have at least some sort of conception of being cautious. Mm-hmm. And and thinking about their surroundings so they can begin to understand that. Yeah, again, I think that this is where I struggle with, because you're right, like I really enjoy that analogy because that does help me think about it differently. I think where I struggle is like introducing like almost this paranoia that of course I experience right, as a parent and like an adult in the world, but like not necessarily introducing that to kids too young. I guess the, the question you have to ask is, is it really paranoia? Ooh. So I... I grew up in a a predominantly white and Asian area of San Diego, and I was one of two black kids, three black kids in a class most of the time, most most of my life as a K through 12 kid. And I encountered racism very early. And some of it was not even direct, like there wasn't necessarily someone dropping M-bombs towards me. It might just be that the, the white kids wanted to pick on me, and I was the only one getting picked on, you know, like. There was no difference except for the skin color. And I didn't understand what was going on. You know, I didn't always understand what was happening in those spaces and having an idea that like, hey, you know, this might be going on. They might be making the wrong kinds of judgments when they might not understand things correctly might have helped to to kind of get through some of those spaces. Again, it's not necessarily teaching kids the scariest parts of this, but it's about the same way you tell kids, hey, you know, if your brother or your sister hits you, that doesn't mean that you get to hit them back. And here's the reasons why. And here's how you deal with like the concept of, you don't talk about the, the full-on concept of forgiveness, but you, you do talk about, you know, you can't stay mad. You know, you have to, you have to do things to, to, to repair your relationship with your kids and between peers and things like that. And you find those ways in the language that the child can understand so that they can begin to, again, start to develop healthy ways to deal with things that will affect them for the rest of their lives. Mm-hmm. Very good points, Dr. Palmer. Thank you for that. So it makes me feel like there is like some work that we have to do probably as adults to like even get ourselves ready to like maybe have some of these conversations. Do you have thoughts about that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
You know, honestly, one of the pieces to the book is that, you know, I spend a lot of my time as a professor and as a consultant and as a psychologist helping people understand how to have these conversations with themselves as adults and how to like navigate systems that are oppressive and where, you know, you work in a a corporate setting and like having to deal with ramifications of systemic racism, you know, when you've maybe not had to deal with that so much before, or you're, you're going to be a counselor or a psychologist and you need to look inwardly and understand like how you might bring that into the room or how it might be affecting you. So the whole point behind the, or the story, if I can give like a quick story behind the book is that yeah. I was at home and my wife came home and she was at the time working in a school where they, you know, had K through 12 kids and they had like kindergarten and, uh, first grade and whatnot. And apparently there was like this little little kid who came up to her and recounted the story of being told that their skin looked like poop by one of their classmates after a lesson about color and skin color. And of course the child was in tears and, you know, my wife was like really disturbed by that happening. And then the lack of ability to do very much to help fix that once it's occurred, you know, and me being, you know, someone who, who thinks about this stuff a lot and, and focuses a lot of his career on this, it's just like I had this whole dissonance moment of like, man, I want to help this kid. But obviously, I can't do anything for this child because I don't know this kid. And I, I want to help my wife. She's got to process it herself. And this is about her work. So what do I do to not get in her way right now? And so as, being a psychologist I am, I was like, OK, maybe I need to like sit down and maybe write something down, do something to self-soothe. And that turned from kind of a, maybe a post I was thinking at first. And then I was like, you know, I could help a teacher talk about this. I could help parents maybe talk about this. And I just wrote the beginnings of the children's book, sitting at the kitchen table. I wrote it in like, you know, an hour, the first draft, because, you know, it's not, not a lot of words in a children's book, but, um, you know, over the course of a few years, I refined it and came back to it and figured out how to publish it. But the whole idea was, what happens if we're able to address some of these issues that adults have in the adult worlds before they're adults? Like, what happens if they don't have to relearn things? They can just learn it right in the first place. And so the book itself is not just meant for Black and Brown kids. It's actually meant for white kids and, and all the kids in between, because everyone needs to understand how to, to properly talk about this and and think about skin color, race, and family. Because if the kid who called the little girl skin poop would have had someone teach them this prior to that, then the little girl wouldn't have had her encounter experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, I think that that is really important, right? Like to think about how everybody talks about race, because I think that is a part of what feels frustrating is that it often feels like as Black people, we often have to have these conversations with our kids, whereas it feels like white counterparts don't. But truthfully, if they were having more conversations, we might not have to have the same conversations with our kids about race. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's kind of the the crux of the issue is that if we could just teach kids to understand some of this stuff earlier, then they would have better tools to start to unwind this problem. The issue of of racism, oppression, all that stuff. I mean, you know, we're adults now. and It's it's weird to be in this space because you you spend so much time being a young person with the potential to to want to change and do all the things. But I think we're, you know, if, if you're my age, 
group, which are, you know, early 40s and stuff, we're getting to that point where we have to start really thinking about what the next generation is going to do and how we're going to prepare them. And I think that that's kind of the energy that I wanted to put behind this is to, to maybe do something where we can prevent some of these negative interactions and prevent the need to heal as opposed to just heal. Yeah. And so what made you decide on a kid's book as opposed to like a book for parents? Well, the funny part about children's books is that they are books for parents because parents buy them, parents consume them, and parents, eventually, they're the ones who read them to the kids. And so my book, Daddy, Why Am I Brown? So it has a story for the children and it has like the, the learning process in there, but it also has a bunch of resources. So there's discussion questions and vocabulary. And the idea is like, if you can talk to your child about this, then maybe you're going to learn some of this too. And you can come to the book without necessarily having a degree in, in ethnic studies to, to read this book to your child. It's, it's, it's just meant to like give some basics and maybe that can open a conversation that continues in the house. Hmm. So kind of going back to the earlier conversation around like the work that we need to do as adults to be able to have some of these conversations with our kids. Can you share like any of the questions from the book or questions maybe that you even ask in your practice or as you're kind of thinking about your work for adults that maybe can help them to kind of think about the spirit they need to come to a process like this with? I think one of the first things is that you have to ask yourself what your relationship is to your skin color and to your race and to like the way that you you see yourself identity-wise with salient. Like what are some of the areas that are maybe a little hot and you might feel sensitive about? Because, you know, kids, they're going to ask you direct questions. They're really not going to mince words. They're just going to be like, boom, what is this? And so as you're approaching this, you can't respond with your baggage to your child's question about stuff. Otherwise, you're just going to transfer it over to them. So I think that one of the big pieces is just thinking about what would be the, the healthy way that you would have liked to have talked about this, to have been introduced to this when you were a kid. What are some of the things that you anticipate your child to be exposed to? You might have this conversation differently depending on what kind of groups are around the kids. You know, like if you're if you're sending your, your child to a predominantly white school, then that's going to be different than if you're sending them to a predominantly black school or to a more, you know, multicultural or diverse school. It depends on what kind of home you have. You know, the discussion is really different if the family all kind of share similar skin tones versus like, for instance, in the book, the family doesn't share the same skin tones and they don't share like all the same ethnicity. So, you know, the the mom in the book is multi-ethnic where she's black and Chinese and then the dad is African-American or he's black. So you know, what do you do with those conversations? I think it gets even more complicated if you start talking about like adoption and whatnot. But I, I think that it also is an appropriate, I was hoping that people who, for instance, who might engage in a transracial adoption could use this book to help them healthily have this conversation and use it as context. I think in the book, there's like, I, I provided some vocabulary that I pulled from the learner's dictionary. It's vocabulary with definitions that kids can understand. So like ancestors, a person who was someone's family in past times or heritage, you know, traditions, achievements, and beliefs, even like melanin. (laughs) So the dark brown and black substances that is a natural part of people's skin, hair, and eyes. Like off the top of your head, would you just be able to say what melanin is to a child? So I tried to kind of think about those, those things in terms of discussions, questions, just things like, what's your favorite color? What makes things beautiful? What does it mean for my skin to be different from your skin? These are some of the questions that kind of come up. 
and just being able to talk to those and make it feel normal, I think, is one of the big pieces that parents and elders and uncles and aunties and whatnot need to, to be thinking about. Yeah, and I think you raise a, a really interesting point, Dr. Palmer, in that there is likely some work that lots of us need to do around our own race to be able to really engage in these conversations in a way that's healthy for kids, right? Like, I don't know that we even always think about, like, how, you know, our ideas about skin color and hair and all of those things still impact us as adults. Oh, yeah. As a psychologist, you know, the the stuff that people bring in to talk about, I don't know that any of this stuff has worked out for adults. Things like colorism and colorism inside homes, you know, so which child is a light-skinned child, which child is a dark-skinned child, which which kid has the quote-unquote good hair and all that stuff, who looks most like somebody. I mean, those kind of things are generational. You know, if you're the, if you didn't have the lighter skin in the family and then, you know, bro or sis who, who have the lighter skin get favored, then how is that going to come out when you have kids who also have variations in their skin tone? What happens when you behave certain ways but between different people kids see that you know so if you're always you know making faces or rolling your eyes or cutting your eyes at folks who look a specific way then the kid is going to realize that that's negative like that there's something about that person's negative and if they see it enough they're going to recognize the pattern in order to and i think this is across the board with parenting it's not it's not just about race but if you don't want to pass on the traumas and the the trials and the baggage and all the stuff that comes from your life to your child, you do have to, to unpack that. And I think that, you know, that's where a good therapist might come in. If you're thinking about your parenting, um, that's something that we can help with. That's something you can come in and talk about and think about kind of how do you separate your childhood from your your, your child's childhood. Very good point. I, I really appreciate that. So are there other resources? It sounds like you have tons in the book, but are there other resources that you can kind of think of off the top of your head that you think would be helpful for this kinds of a conversation as well? Well, I think for parents, there's some good books that you can read that can give you more context and bring you more into the conversation around race and ethnicity and Blackness for Black folks. One is The Psychology of Blacks, which is a, uh, a book that's written by Dr. Thomas Parham, Adisa Jamu, and Esmerari Obasi, and Joseph L. White. Um, and that really talks about the, the idea of identity and race from a psychological perspective. But like, it really just it hits on education, it hits on like encounter experiences, it hits on family and family structure. Um, another book is... Um, I believe it's called Black Families, and that's uh, Nancy Boy Franklin. Yes. <laughs> Nancy Boy Franklin, yes. Yeah. Just look up Nancy Boy Franklin if you want to talk about Black families and Black kids. Like, you really, that that's a, a good space to go. Black Fathers, Invisible Presence in America, that's edited by Dr. Michael Connor and Dr. Joseph L. White. There's two editions. Uh, there's a chapter I'm in, in the, in the, in the second edition, uh, but that talks about fatherhood with uh, children, and I think that that's, you know, part of where my head is in terms of like, I mean, the book is about a father and a daughter having a conversation. And I, I think that that's kind of an important thing to kind of to, to put forward because of, you know, all the stereotypes and all that stuff. I think that the stereotypes aren't really real. Black men are very involved and very connected to their children in a lot of different ways. And I think that like pointing that out, I mean, one of the, the book that came 
I was like looking at it and I was like, man, I got author goals now when I saw uh, Hair Love. I was like, wow. Oh, yes. You yeah. know, I mean, such a beautiful way of, of kind of approaching a situation. That I think that many Black fathers have, have experienced, not necessarily, you know, in, in the way that's in the book, but just this idea of, you know, how do I make sure that I'm taking care of my, my child in a way that my child would be happy with and that my partner would be happy with, you know? And um, yeah, it's just beautiful. So maybe one day we'll get, <laughs> we'll get a, a wonderful animation, animated version of Daddy, Why My Brown? But <laughs> there you maybe go. one day long in the future after this interview, because now everybody, everybody listens to your show. So now they know about it. <laughs> I love it. So where can people connect with you online, Dr. Palmer? What is your website? And I know people can go to your website to buy the book. So what's your website as well as any social media handles that you want to share? Okay, I got a, I got a few. So um, you can find me directly. And, and through this, you can find a lot of other stuff that's connected to me. But um, I have my website is drbfpalmer.com. So drbfpalmer.com. And the website for the book is deeper than color. That's deeper than T H A N color.com. And you can go there and you can get to both websites from each other. They're all linked and you can go on Amazon to find the book. Uh, and you can find that by either searching it on Google or you can go directly to the website. Now, internet handle wise, uh, you can find me at DRBF Palmer on Instagram and on Twitter and on Facebook. So at DRBF Palmer. And the book is at Deeper Than Color, same as the website. Yeah, so those are the best places. So if you look for me on online, I talk a lot about psychology and uh, about race and culture and, and uh, you know, as, as some of my folks say about the struggle. But I've been adding in some some resources for parents. One thing that people might like especially right now uh, in the context that we're in i know there's a lot of folks who are doing homeschooling and needing some some materials well i have six lesson plans that are for free on the website so if you're a parent or if you're just some if you're a teacher whoever you are who's trying to like put together some lesson plans for some kids in you know preschool kindergarten or first grade there's six free lesson plans and you can just go download those off of deeper than color Perfect. Thank you so much for those resources, Dr. Palmer. And of course, all of that will be included in the show notes so that people can get to all of that very easily. But we really appreciate you spending some time with us today. Thank you. I appreciate you having me on. I'm so grateful Dr. Palmer was able to share his expertise with us today. To learn more about him or to grab your copy of Daddy, Why Am I Brown? Visit the show notes at therapyforblackgirls.com slash session 148. And don't forget to share your takeaways with us in either your IG stories or on Twitter using the hashtag TBG in session. If you're looking for a therapist in your area, check out our therapist directory at therapyforblackgirls.com slash directory. Many of the therapists offer options to meet virtually if you're looking for that right now. And if you want to continue digging into this topic and meet some other sisters in your area, come on over and join us in the Yellow Couch Collective where we take a deeper dive into the topics from the podcast and just about everything else. You can join us at therapyforblackgirls.com slash YCC. And don't forget to show our sponsor some love by grabbing your Bomba socks 
at bombas.com slash TBG today and get 20% off of your first order. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash TBG for 20% off. Thank y'all so much for joining me again this week. I look forward to continuing this conversation with you all real soon. Take good care. Hey ladies, it's Dr. Joy. As women, we put our hearts into everything. May is High Blood Pressure Education Month, and it's time to focus on our heart health. Release the Pressure wants to help Black women look at self-care as an act of self-preservation. During High Blood Pressure Education Month, let's help get to our goal of 100,000 Black women putting their hearts first and learn more about their heart health. Visit iHeartRadio.com RTP for a chance to receive a $1,000 gift card to take care of yourself and prioritize your heart health. That's iHeartRadio.com RTP. Looking for hair removal tools that not only deliver smooth results, but also empower you with a sense of complete control? Enter Conair Girlbomb, your secret weapons for smooth, sleek results made just for women. From the ultimate Girlbomb grip and professional grade blades, you don't have to compromise and settle for less. Conair Girlbomb equips you with the precision and power previously reserved for men's grooming tools. So take your hair removal routine to the next level with Conair Girlbomb. Available at conairgirlbomb.com or a retailer near you. Nowadays, a lot of these big companies pretend to care about our communities and issues with nothing more than lip service. State Farm is the opposite. They're actively investing in programs and initiatives that help educate in financial literacy give early career advice, and grow Black-owned businesses, thus leading to generational wealth, which helps protect the future of our communities. Seeing our communities grow and thrive is something they care deeply about. They want to build a future that we all can be proud of. State Forum understands that representation alone doesn't mean authenticity, that it takes a good neighbor to sponsor programs like the AXO, a year-long program that recognizes and rewards high school students for their academic and cultural achievements and to fund programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to the educational achievement of Black and Brown youth that to date participants have been awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers. State Forum believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and can have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Forum is there.